Welcome to Connect Church. We're a new church in the East Windsor Heightstown area, and we're a church that is looking to connect to Jesus and community. We're so glad you've joined us. Uh, I just want to say my name is Frank, and to those of you here, um, and even our online audience, I just want to welcome you real fast and say, if you're online, um, you are probably wrapped under your blanket nice and warm. We're here, the heat is not working, and it is super cold in here. So if you're home today, you probably have the better view. Um, but I just want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you all are here with us today. Um, we're in a series called Ignite. And as a church, we are believing that this year God is going to spark passion in our hearts once again. Now, as we say that, I do just want to say um, this isn't passion where I try harder. Because if you hear like, okay, I want God to ignite something in my heart, so I just need to try harder, you're going to walk out those doors, and at some point this week, you're going to end up drained and exhausted. Because this isn't about trying harder. This is about who I get to be with. And as I know God more, he stirs something in my heart that isn't manufactured by me. And even this week in in my connect group, uh, it was awesome hearing one of the, the members Um, wrestling with this idea and being like, I thought that this would mean I have to try harder, but then I studied this book of the Bible and I realized how good is God is and I love him more. That's what we're trying to create. This is, and then hopefully out of that, God will stir things in our heart this year out of passion to live for. But if, again, if all we hear is ignite, live with passion, and we try and manufacture this for ourselves, in about middle of February, you'll be like, I'm tired, I'm done. I'm out. Last week, though, we took a look at Moses, and we saw two things with Moses. Moses identified himself by what he did. If you don't know the story, Moses got angry. He killed someone, and he hid in the desert for 40 years. Now, in that moment, God, or Moses also wrestled with who he was. God calls him to be the mouthpiece for Israel to bring freedom, but he saw himself as a stutterer. So again, what he did and who he was, it kept him from living with passion, but then we see God meets him in a bush. And he hears God's voice speak to him. And so because of that, Moses' life changes from there. The way he viewed himself in comparison to who God was changed everything. Now today we're going to take a look at another fire in the Bible. If you don't know, again, I'm a pyro. I love fire. So this series is a lot of fun for me um, because I even get to bring some redemption to it. I'm not just destroying things. I often like to control how my life looks. And for me, when I don't get or the way that I want, I often get angry. Um, last night, about 4.30 a.m., both of my kids are screaming and awake. And so I go and, and help my wife try and console them. Um, and my daughter just will not go to sleep. Like, she falls asleep on me. I put her down. She wakes up, falls asleep, put her down, wakes up. This goes to about, like, 5.45. And I finally am like, I just can't do this anymore. Like, just go to sleep, kid. Like, what is the deal with this? Especially my alarm is set for like 6.15, so I'm like, well, I guess I'm just up now. But even deeper than that, right? There, there are deep things in our life that we wish we could have control over. For me, even the story of our church has looked nothing like I wanted it to. Thank God we're finally in town and in the morning, but it was three years of waiting for God to do something. And you're sitting there and you're going, God, where are you? Like, if I was in control, I would do it this way, and yet you are doing everything the complete opposite of how I would want you to. What's up with that? 
I'm tired. I'm frustrated. And even more so, sometimes God leads us, and yet we still end up in detours, in dead ends, in frustrating moments. Today, I don't know where you are in your journey of following God, but like today, deciding to follow Jesus doesn't just mean straight path. Everything is awesome. Even when God leads us, again, we can end up in moments where it's frustrating. One last example. Uh, Someone on our preaching team pointed this out. So uh, I'm a New York Giants fan. And so I can say that now because the rest of the NFC East is out. So I don't have to be afraid of saying that. Um, Sorry, Cowboy and Eagles fans. I love you all still. But I really loved last weekend. Um, So the Giants have to be the only team in the history of the NFL that built a brand new stadium that doesn't have enough parking. And so if you don't pay like $100 for a parking pass, you park in like a warehouse complex that nobody uses on weekends. And then you get on a bus and it takes you about a 15-minute ride to the stadium. Now after the game, you can imagine there are thousands and thousands of people waiting in line to get on the bus. And so you could stand there for an hour and a half. So I often will say to whoever goes with me, like, I'm not waiting in that line, let's just walk. And so, like, you begin wandering through the parking lot, and there's always, like, these signs and detours, and, like, it's a winding path, and it takes about an hour to walk to the car, but the way I justify it is, like, it would be an hour and a half if we were waiting in line, so at least I'm moving, I get my steps in, and I hopefully hit, like, my 10K for the day, which is always the goal. Life feels like that. We just wander. We hit a dead end, we turn and we wander, and we hit another one, and hopefully we think at some point, maybe, just maybe, I'll end up in the right spot. Today we're going to look at the nation of Israel. They're in this moment. They're wandering, and the crazy thing is God is leading them, and they still end up there. And so join me in Exodus 13, and it says this, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. God is leading Israel, but it's in a really unexpected way. And so up here, you're going to see a map of the basic idea of what it looked like on their journey. Now look at that. If I were drawing that line, it would go straight. And God is leading them, and they are wandering all over the place. And maybe you're in here, and you've followed God for a long period of time. Maybe you're in the beginning, and you can relate to that, where you're just trying to do the right thing, and you feel like you are wandering all over the place. The good news is you're not alone. And this is why. The coastal route, the one along the Great Sea, And the most common way to go from Egypt to Canaan, this is where Egypt's military outposts were. And God knew that the nation of Israel wasn't ready to fight yet. And so by him bringing them this way, he was protecting them from something that they weren't prepared for yet. And this tells us the first idea when we begin to get frustrated with God and frustrated with life. And it feels like we're doing this. And God is actually preparing us for something. Or maybe he's protecting us. The straight line Israel would have run into the Philistines and other nations who were ready to conquer them. But God had a different plan. 
And you have to think, though, the nation of Israel knows that everybody travels the coastal route and they're saying, what in the world am I doing all the way down there? We can relate. God, I know I'm supposed to be here. God, I feel like you're doing this in my life. Why? Or God, I thought that you were there. Why does it feel like you're not? You can fill in the blank with whatever it is that you're feeling. The dangers along the way were too great. And God knew that. Again, today, the things that may be frustrating us most about where we are in life, perhaps it's God protecting us. Perhaps it's God doing a preparation work in our hearts so that when we get to where we're going, we're able to stand firm. Corinthians says it this way, he won't allow allow you to be tempted more than you can stand. Sometimes if we go the way that we think that we're supposed to, it may lead to destruction or failure. And what God has is totally different. And let me just say from my own life, again, the story of our church I would not have dreamt that it would be three years and being here. But I can say over the last three years, I've learned so much. But I think the greatest thing that I have learned is this. Jesus is the greatest thing that there is. Because over these last three years, I've turned to a lot of different things to like try and make me feel better. Pokemon cards, um, Dunkin' Coffee, food, which is my main one still. I'm trying to be better about that. But the thing that I've found over and over again is when I turn to Jesus, he is the greatest thing. And that's the lesson that Israel learned along the way, too. God would be providing for them and doing incredible things, and they would get frustrated, and they would look to other things, and they would realize they're empty, and then they would turn back to God. We continue reading this in verse 19. It says, Moses took the bones of Joseph Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. He said, God will certainly come to help you. And when he does, you must take my bones with you from this place. He's quoting Genesis 50, and it's Genesis 50, 25. says this, Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath. And he said, when God comes to help you and lead you back, you must take my bones with you. So Joseph died at the age of 110. The Egyptians embalmed him, and his body was placed in a coffin. The promise of Joseph comes to be. But also this. You talk about the faith that Joseph had. He's enslaved. There's no sign of things being better. And yet he says, don't bury me because I want to go where God promises. And after that, it was 400 years. Thankfully, he wasn't alive to wait for those years. But you have to think that the generations after him, 400 years is a long time. And generations and generations of people who see Joseph's coffin, they probably, you have to think at some point, third, fourth generation, look at it and go, look at that guy. He really thought God was going to show up and do something. And he's still just sitting there. And I think that's how we get. We get bitter. We get jaded. God, I thought that you were going to. And you didn't. And somewhere along the way, our our faith shifts from Joseph. Hey, put me out there because at some point God's going to move, take me there to look at this guy. Nothing changed in his lifetime. And yet, Joseph lived with faith that God would do what he said. What if we lived our life that way? 
What if we believe so passionately that God would do what he said he would do in our lives? But even more so, what if we just lived in the power of the gospel being what it says it is? What if we lived in the freedom and the forgiveness that Jesus brings? What if we lived in the hope of knowing that one day we'll stand face to face with Jesus and all of the struggles that we face in this world will pale in comparison to that moment? What would it look like if we lived with this kind of faith? And even for our church, and this is an area I'm trying to grow in, I really believe at some point our church is going to have a representation of who we are in all three parts of this town. Heightstown Borough, downtown, East Windsor over there, and Twin Rivers over there. And there's always a part of me that feels so insane saying that. It's a little better now that like we're actually in one of them, but when we were in Robbinsville, a totally different town, it felt insane. But I want to be the kind of person who lives with that kind of faith. God, you're going to do this. And it may not be in my lifetime. At some point, I'm going to step aside and somebody else is going to lead this church. I pray that they're on the other side of that curtain right now, being discipled and taught who Jesus is. So they stand here and do it. But at some point, I'll move on. But this church will continue. And God's going to continue to work and move in this town. Why? Because he called it to be. And when God speaks into existence, will come to pass. Today, will we live with that kind of faith? We continue verse 20. And this is where the fire comes in, for those of you wondering. The Israelites left Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. And this is the most incredible part. Israel often felt wandering and lost, but God was guiding every step. And God revealed his presence to them in such an incredible and powerful way. He was giving them constant assurance that he was leading them. And this isn't just a cute story that we, God still leads this way today. And it may not be a bright fire. Sometimes I wish it was. When you have to make a decision and things like that, it would be really nice. But it's often God's still small voice and this stirring in our hearts. And we need to just take a step of obedience in it. Psalm 84 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. This is David wrestling with this. But if we walk on the path of God and where he's leading us, Scripture speaks to this idea of one being upright, but also it being towards life. Today, are you drained? Are you tired? Are you exhausted? Are you confused about where you're supposed to be in life? Perhaps we are missing God's voice and where he's guiding us. Again, we're believing this will be a year of passion and God stirring something in our hearts. If you're not living with that, again, maybe you're not where God is leading you. And it's easy to get there. And it's easy to get frustrated and it's easy to begin to think God isn't working or moving. But my plea for you today is to remember he is. Read the story of scripture. There are stories over and over and over again that God leads and moves and works and he does the same today. Israel 
had great assurance from visible evidence of God's presence. And yet they still often wandered and rebelled and acted as if God was distant. And this tells us really it comes down to our heart posture. See, often if you're like me, I want God to lead me with a pillar of fire because somehow in my head I think, if it's that obvious, you know, I'll just do everything he says. And yet we all know that's not true. We don't need a pillar of fire because God has given us his very presence to live in us all the time to do this very work. The Holy Spirit rests on us and directs us and speaks to us and guides us. We don't need incredible signs like this anymore because the very being of God exists in us. Today we have everything we need to live for him. So then why did God lead them through the wilderness when there was a straight path, again, to protect them from their enemies. God knew they weren't ready for battle yet. And to the younger people in here today, let me just say this. In an age where we rush to skip to the end and we skip preparation, please hear me today. The seasons of preparation matter more than you know. The difficult seasons where God forms us and shapes us, we often want to run through them and blast through them and get to the others. Don't skip them. Because if we skip a season of preparation, we often get to a point and we're not ready to be there. God was preparing them for what was ahead. And God was using their time in the wilderness to to challenge them to test and refine their faith. Psalm 107 speaks to this. He says, He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Today, God is doing the same. He's moving us to a city, a city that brings us life. What is that city? It's life with God. God is restoring life the way that it was in Genesis 1, in the fullness and hope of who God is. So then how does God lead us? One, his very presence. God gives us direction. The very being of God is with you. Today, are you facing a decision? Are you uncertain? God is with you and he's speaking and he's moving. God also provides along the journey. God gives them what they need as they go. There are moments as they're wandering the desert and they're thinking, hey, Egypt had better food than where we are. God sends bread from heaven which you have to think pretty incredible, and then they still go, ah, the food was better in Egypt, you know, and they miss God provides. And again, it's often small things that we overlook, but don't miss the provision of God in your life. And he speaks encouragement along the way. As they deal with uncertainty, the very presence of God speaks life to them. But most of all, God protects God stops the Egyptians in their tracks as they pursue the people of Israel. And as Israel heads towards the land, God fights the battles on their behalf. So then how do we live this out? God knew, and and this is the part that kind of stinks with this. God knew that the nation of Israel on this journey would be uncomfortable. And today, let me say... And, it, and it even I, I toyed with deleting this because of pain. discomfort is a gift from God. And in an age where we glorify and we make comfort everything, 
And as soon as the first sign of discomfort shows up, we run from it. We may be missing what God is doing. Discomfort is a gift from God. The Israelites spent 430 years in bondage. They knew no other way of life. But the urgency and the discomfort of the exodus are inconvenient. They're wandering through a desert. They're hungry. They're wondering where they're going. They're waiting to get to where God is saying it disrupts their way of life. Again, they think going back to slavery was better than the life that they were living in. There is something deeply in us that as soon as discomfort hits, we run back the other direction, but you are missing what God is doing in your life. So then we need to embrace discomfort. And when it comes... Despite everything in us wanting to numb it, run from it, forget it, perhaps we need to just slow down and say, God, what are you trying to show me here? Because if there's anything I can tell you over the last three years of my life, every time life gets discomfortable, every time there are moments where I'm frustrated and wondering, God, I'm wandering around like an idiot here, he shows up and he speaks. And the discomfort actually leads me closer to him continues to change my heart and shift it back towards him. See, God knew that Israel would be tempted to return to their old ways. That they would look back and they would long for the days of old when God was right before them. And it's so easy to read these stories and think, Israel, what's wrong with them? Pillar of fire right in front of them, how do they miss that? And yet that very thing exists in our hearts, if we're honest. So when God calls, we need to leave what's old behind. And we follow him in faith that what he has in store ahead of us is greater than anything behind us. The thing that I've found to be true about God, sometimes it is really hard to leave seasons that you're in. Even just to start this church. We were coming from a season of doing youth ministry in Pennington. And it was awesome. Our youth group was great. It was growing. We had awesome kids in it. Everything about it was what I dreamed for it to be. And then God shifted our hearts. And it was painful. It was hard. But the season that I'm in now, I wouldn't change anything. Because I've learned that God is present in every season, but more so in the discomfort. I know who Jesus is more, and that's what he longs for us. We need to learn to trust God and to follow him, not worrying about what we're leaving behind. In the New Testament, it says that Paul had honor and status in the eyes of men, but he counted that as nothing to turn towards God. He would freely give up his status to know Jesus. Elijah, when he's called out of his fields by Elijah, I think he's a little extreme. He kills his oxen, he burns his plows so that he wouldn't go back. But I think that story speaks pretty clearly to this idea. We're so quick to go back. We're so quick, the second we face a little bit of discomfort, to retreat back to what is comfortable. Perhaps today, again, we need to keep pushing through the discomfort because what God has for us is on the other side of it. Turning back kills passion. Today, has your faith gotten boring? Do you feel like God is distant? Perhaps instead of turning towards God, you've turned back to other things. 
perhaps because in the moments of discomfort where God is ready to reveal himself in a new way, you retreat to what's comfortable. Today, I implore you to do two things. One, trust God. Even when he leads you along the roundabout way. Even when you know a straight line is where you want to go and you feel like you are going back and forth and back and forth and all God is leading. Trust. Sometimes the long way, God is protecting us from something we don't see. Perhaps this is a season where God wants to grow you. Perhaps this is a season where God wants to teach you something about himself. Shortcuts often rob us of what God wants to teach us. Slow down and prepare for what God has in store. We need to trust God. But the second thing is we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. God knew they needed direction, and God knew they needed reassurance, and God led the people out of Egypt, and he sent his very presence to guide them, and every second their eyes shifted from the pillar of fire or cloud, their attention shifted. In Hebrews, it says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Why? When you drive, what do you do? You look ahead. And as soon as your eyes shift from ahead to the left or to the right, you end up hitting things. If you're texting, you hit somebody else, right? You keep your eyes fixed ahead because your, your car and follows. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because the second we shift our focus, and for me it's often from Jesus onto myself, I got this, I'm in control, everything is good, and then I realize, okay, everything is not good. I made a mess. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. So today as we close, maybe you're here. Uh, maybe you're wrestling with this idea, do I follow Jesus, do I not? Um, one of the cool things about these stories is that it reminds us that God dwells among us. And why does that matter? Because it's often in knowing God that we find peace, meaning, significance. The whole world is wrestling with this idea of God. Who is he? How do I get to know him? Where do I find meaning and significance? And the incredible thing about Jesus is that we know that it has nothing to do with us. It's about the step that he took towards us. While we were sinners, while we were far from him, while we were a mess, Jesus came and he died and he rose again so that we could know God fully. And the coolest part is the story doesn't end there. Jesus is actually, he's next to God right now pleading for us. He's praying and pleading with the Father that our hearts would turn towards him. Why? Because again, when our hearts turn towards Jesus, just the smallest amount, he shows up. He moves. He works. Today, the shame that you may have walked in with and the guilt, there is forgiveness in Jesus. Today, the burdens and the overwhelming nature that maybe you're feeling with life, there's hope in Jesus. Today, maybe you walked in and you feel just weak and you're, there is strength in Jesus. And we get all of that when we turn our hearts towards him and we simply say, Jesus, I trust in who you are. I know you came to be my guide. I know that you went ahead and you made a journey for me. And Jesus is the fulfillment of God's presence on earth. 
When he went back to heaven, he sends the Spirit of God to live among us, to dwell among us, so that God is with us at all times. Why does that matter? Our attention shifts. Our focus goes other places. We forget our value, our purpose, our significance, our meaning, all of these things. But Jesus came even when we wander from them. When our hearts turn back, we're met with forgiveness and grace and love. Today, whether you're here or online and you've never made that decision before, I just want to encourage you on the Connect card, there's an opportunity to check that off. Or online, there's a link. And I just want to say, this isn't just like a one-time decision. This is a lifelong process of continuing to surrender who I am to Jesus. And just a couple steps that you can take. One, Scripture speaks that when you decide to follow Jesus that you get baptized. And so you can check that off as well. Um, We would love to walk you through that process. But more so, um, I'm just excited about what we call discipleship pipeline here. Um, The call of God is not to attend service. It's not to just raise your hand one time and be like, yeah, I'm in. It's to make disciples. And so this is our way to have somebody from our church invest in you and to disciple you and help you grow so that you can do that with other people. And so if you make that decision to follow Jesus today, again, I encourage you to pray about that and to think about that. And then for those of us who do follow Jesus, the question today I want you to to ponder and process and pray about this week is fairly simple, but I think it's significant. Who is leading you? Who is actually guiding your decisions, your life, where you spend your time, the things you care about? Who is leading you? And not just like hypothetic, but like when you have a decision, where do you turn? When you're frustrated with life, what do you look to? Because if you're like me, I often turn to a lot of different things before I turn to God. But our prayer, if we're going to live with passion and God is going to do something in our hearts this year, we need to look to him first. So before I put my own effort in, I need to pray first. I need to seek God first. Before maybe I look to wisdom from other people, I need to ask for God's wisdom and see where he is leading and guiding. If your passion has waned, perhaps it's your fear and your anxiety leading you. Perhaps it's your care about what somebody else thinks about you more. Perhaps it's just staying comfortable. But today there's a path to life. And it often doesn't look how we think. In fact, I can probably say it's not going to look how you think it will. But let me tell you, there's so much peace and joy and meaning and purpose in it. God doesn't work the way we want him to but we can trust his plan. And let me just say, like, the plan of starting this church, just because we're here in the morning, like, it doesn't mean that everything in life is rosy and good. Like, still working a bunch of jobs to pay the mortgage and support the bills and and deal with inflation, right? Groceries are super high. That hasn't changed. But I can live with passion because, again, even though the journey is wandering and difficult and challenging, and at times... I think, what's going on? In every one of those moments, God has met me and he's spoken to me. And this is what we're believing for you. 
that when you get to those moments again, would you pause? Would you slow down? Would you be still and create space for God to speak? Following God can be a winding road. And it often doesn't look like what we think. But the thing that we get in the midst of all of it is Jesus, and there's nothing better than that. And so today, in just a moment to respond, there's a few different things. One, maybe something today with the the message has resonated with you a little bit, and you would like prayer for it. We'll have some of our prayer team here to pray over you. Um, We'll we'll go back over by the Connect Kids banner there. Um, Maybe... Your prayer request has nothing to do with anything that we talked about today. We still would love to pray with you. Um, We believe prayer matters. It's a value of who we are as a church. We are going to be a church that prays. And so um, if there's something going on in your life, we would love to pray with you as well over that. Or the last thing may be, maybe life is awesome and it's great. Then just want to invite you to respond in just a moment to, to worship with us. Again, worship is an opportunity where we say a corporate prayer essentially together, set to music and proclaim truths about God that we believe. And and why do we do that? Again, our attention wanders. But when we worship, it, it prioritizes God in our life again. I sing these things that are true about God to remind me because I forget. I see the frustrations. I see all the different things going on in my life. And so just want to invite you to stand as we respond today. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this encourages you to take your next steps in your faith journey with God. You can check us out more on connectchurchnj.com. Have a great day.